You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. friends, welcome to a new episode of the Rua Space Podcast. I am Phil. And I'm Erin, and we're so glad to have you here with us today where we explore how we can make space for the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. So in our Wednesday episodes, we kind of go all over the place. Sometimes it's an interview, sometimes it's a guided uh, spiritual discipline, or it could just be a topic that is sort of paralleling everything else that we're doing for making space for the Spirit. And today's episode we're going to discuss something that's really been vital to kind of who we are for many years, kind of formationally how we think about the world, how we sort of engage it, and helps kind of explain overall where we come from in some of our other episodes. Yeah, so we had early on uh, when we were studying at Calvin, one of the things that they taught us in our like basic uh, religion 101 course every major had to take was this principle that all truth is God's truth. And I know for me, that was a concept I felt comfortable with. It wasn't surprising to me. And I also know for some of my classmates, that was a big shock to their system to hear that. So you may be coming from either either perspective, but there's this beautiful sense in the Bible of how everything in the world comes from God. So the things that are good in this world are of God. And whenever there's a truth, whether we find it in nature or whether we find it in science or whether we find it in medicine or we find it in another religion, when there is a truth that is found, that truth will always point to God. And so that's something that Christ, when he came, redeemed and made possible for us to say, hey, we as Christians can accept this truth as a truth about our God. Well, that's what we call creational monotheism, or maybe even a better word would be creational Trinitarianism, because we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's rooted in the scripture of even the Shema, which is this ancient Israel prayer found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. There's one God, right? That Mm -hmm. was foundational to that time, that in their day and age, there was gods for everything. But they're saying, no, there's one God that created every single thing. And so that means if anything is true, it gives glory to that one God. There weren't gods that created other things like other truths. They don't exist. So if something's true, if it's true in terms of who God made us to be for the peace and shalom of the world, then it belongs to our God. And this is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he says, So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, which is where we sort of got the title for this episode, All Truth Belongs to Us, people who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the verse continues, and you are of Christ and Christ is of God, meaning the son is the son of the father, the heir of all things. We become brothers and sisters of Christ and become heirs of all things. So wherever we find truth, we can claim it right. for ourselves. And I think one of the reasons this concept is so profound and we felt like we needed to really share it with you is because we have seen so often there's a fear amongst Christians that sometimes 
they're worried to explore a concept or a topic in a genre, um, whether it's in science or, you know, there's a new discovery or in a certain type of exercise. There's this fear that if we explore this, we're going to be consumed and we're going to be misled and go the wrong direction. And the reason why this is such a freeing principle is because when you can see that all truth belongs to God, no matter what you're exploring, science, philosophy, religion, if there is truth in it, that truth is of our Lord. It belongs to God. Right. God created it. <laughs> and it takes away the fear, at least for us. Um, we, we realized early on when we were being taught that this, that if you can see that things that are true are of God, then there's nothing to be feared by right. exploring a philosophical question. Because when you explore it, or any of the other genres we've mentioned, when you explore it, what you're able to do is evaluate it against the scripture, against what you know to be true because you are in Christ and you've been given right. some foundational understandings, and you can weigh it out. And when you start weighing it out, you see, wow, this isn't something to be feared. It either is of God and reflects his glory and his creation and his goodness and his values, or this is a misconstrued concept and people have been misled and that's a shame. But there's nothing that's going to um, harm you by exploring something when you've got your heart and soul grounded in Christ. Right. Because if it belongs to God, it belongs to God and God's not right. going to contradict God's self. And so, right. I mean, that's why in many of our episodes, you'll hear us quote from rabbis who may not believe in Jesus or even like Thich Nhat Hanh, a Buddhist monk or the Dalai Lama now, or a scientist. And, and we don't have to agree with everything they say right. because we certainly don't. But when there's a truth in there somewhere, then it belongs to God. Then they have, in a sense, come to understand something of God that's been revealed. Maybe not the full picture, but something that sort of aids us in seeing a little deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is why we never need to be afraid of science, for example, because science studies the creation. God is the creation. I mean... Or God is the creator. The, of the so the creation. creator, <laughs> yeah. sorry, yeah. And of, of all the creation. And God owns all of it. And then... Not just that, but then there's an invitation actually to do this. And this is a verse we've used when we talk about meditation. But Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So things that are false, right? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what is he saying? He's saying we take thoughts captive for Christ, to obey Christ. Mm -hmm. So if it's true somewhere else, but it's missed part of the truth, then we can pull out what is true and make it obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that that really in its core, the reason Paul is teaching that is because that's what Christ himself came and did when he lived here. There's this redemptive nature to our Lord and Savior where when he met a person or a situation that was broken, he was able to call out the truth of what was going on and say, here is what is really happening. And we see this so much, like when he interacts with religious leaders, he says, this that you're doing, that's true, but you're using it wrong. Here is how it actually is for God. Here's the truth of the situation. And that's why I think Christ himself was so comfortable eating with sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, because he understood that there's this truth, there's these good qualities that even though they're grounded in in 
kind of some wrong situations or professions. Um, no, there is still something redemptive and good. And that's what Christ was about. I mean, even I know my personal lineage, um, none of my ancestors, as far as I'm aware of, were ever Jewish. And so, but the redemptive nature of Christ made it possible for all of us Gentiles to find and become part of this family of God. Right. God is all about the reconciliation of all things. We see that over and over in the New Testament that God was reconciling all things to himself Mm -hmm. in Christ. And what you were talking about there with Jesus in terms of pulling out the truth, this is actually a biblical concept, both Old and New Testament. So you look at, so for example, it is very common in the Bible for the writers to take something from the culture at that time and take it captive to obey God, to obey Christ, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the flood story itself is in many different religions. Right. And you can debate which one came up with it, but it seems very likely that it was a part of that culture. It was swirling around and they said, hey, that story is right, but it's actually about Yahweh. It's about mm-hmm. this God. And here's, about, what, it, here's not, what it teaches right, because it's about our God. Not about Marduk. Or in Revelation chapter 12, for example, and we don't have time, unfortunately, to go into this specific story, but I believe it's based on the birth story of Apollo, the story of a woman who's in birth, who's attacked by a dragon, who saves and gives birth. It literally follows like the birth story of Apollo. And there's almost a sense in which the author is taking a story from another religion and saying, hey, there's a reason that that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Now you have some of the details wrong. I'm going to take it captive and show you how it's actually about Christ. Or right. or Paul himself so like explicitly does this. So in for in Titus chapter 1 verses 12 through 14 for example it says this. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy guttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so they will be sound in their faith and pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. Now, what's fascinating about this is this statement um, of Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. He's saying even your own poets have said he's actually quoting... um, Epimenides, and he's he's quoting something that that person wrote. Now that mm-hmm. same author also has a very another fascinating quote that Paul uses in Acts chapter seventeen. So here Paul is talking about our life in God, and he says in verse twenty eight, he says, "For in Him we live and move and have our being," as some of your own poets have said. So again, he's quoting them. And this is the same poet, correct? <laughs> yeah, we are his offspring. So what's fascinating about that passage is that that um, Epimenides. This is a writing that apparently had been around for a few hundred years. And you know that quote, in whom we live, move, and have our being, it actually was a quote that someone said to Zeus. So what's interesting is before Paul wrote, this is something that was said by a person, another person who wrote, put the words in someone's mouth saying them to the god Zeus. And Paul is saying, yes, there is a God in whom we live, move, and have our being. But it's not Zeus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he's taking something from another religion and saying, there's an interesting true aspect there, but I am going to show you the true God that it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, and Paul does this as well, right? He's visiting a, a city and there's a statue to an unnamed God. And he says, hey, you know that statue of the unnamed God, right? And he says, well, that's actually about my God. And, uh, you know, it's not uncommon 
um, it with Paul especially to find these references to the culture around him and he's constantly adapting them using them to make connections with the people and saying but actually now that you understand this it's actually about my God it's yeah. not what you thought it was right. and so there's something really profound if we can take the time to learn amongst um, all of these different arenas the truths that are there and then be able to use those truths like Paul did to connect right. with people and say, hey, you know what? I can see you are really into this. This part of what you're doing is true. Mm-hmm. It is right. But you know what? That's actually what Jesus was talking yeah. about. And then we're able to to make the invitation of the Lord a tangible connection to their heart by using this truth that's there and what they're already doing, even though other pieces and parts of it aren't so we're not sanctioning we're not saying anywhere you find truth the whole thing is good no we're saying in any arena whenever there's a gem of truth a nugget of truth that truth is true about our god that's because god created that truth another religion doesn't get to claim anything that's true or good because it comes from our one god i mean so just for another verse for people's information just to know because it's really cool in first corinthians 15 33 paul does the same thing he he says do not be misled bad company corrupts good character now what's interesting is it's believed that that goes back to um, a greek poet named menander like 300 years before paul and they believe that it was a well-known phrase during the time that people would very likely have been using this as like mm. a cultural you know, phrase, phrase. (laughs) And Paul now uses it in scripture to say, you know what, there's something true about that phrase. But he's, of course, going to probably define bad character differently than the culture. But but he was able to meet them on that level. And so we've had so many discussions with people are like, well, that's from Hinduism, or that's from science, or that's from liberal, or that's from conservative, or that's from Buddhism. And we, you know, we have to just completely stay away from that. That's that author who is labeled a heretic, right? So Mm. we can't engage that. And it's like, well, actually, we need to have the ability to test something, Mm -hmm. test the spirit and see if it's from God, right? Because if it's true, we own it. Right. And there's a word for that testing, and it's called discernment. Yes. Actually happens to be a spiritual discipline as well. So we can do an episode (laughs) about that in the future. But um, there is a practice called discernment in which you investigate something and discern what is truthful truthful about it and what is something that we need to treat with caution or discard or say don't want that in our lives so we have that ability because when the the bible says when we're rooted in the lord the spirit of the lord works within us and is going to give us that wisdom so when you're genuinely trying to figure it out and discern things to ask God for assistance and for wisdom and to make it clear. Well, and that's why we stress so much the importance of making space for the Holy Spirit because that discernment isn't from our wisdom and knowledge. No, you, you won't logic it out. Right, that wisdom <laughs> is from the Holy Spirit. So the right. more we can learn to listen to God's voice. So when people live with so much fear of, well, no, 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 I can't, I can't engage that. There's a question of what are we actually afraid of? Because if the Holy Spirit is going to guide us, we have nothing to be afraid of. Now, again, we need to be careful not to get into things that are unbiblical. Because right. There are not, sins. Because that's so it's not, not permission then, to right, sin. That's not then true. <laughs> right. But we can be creative and we can see the truth in there. And again, 
I mean, this is rooted all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. This is done. It's mm-hmm. done by, it's done in Genesis, it's done in Revelation, it's done by Paul. I mean, clearly it even says, as your own poet said, you know, he clearly takes something attributed to another God. But it's not just there as if, oh, this is an interesting thing that we do. As we mentioned sort of earlier, and we can dive more into that now, this is actually a calling. This is actually a responsibility we are given Mm -hmm. as followers of Jesus. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So here's this idea that we're a new creation because of what Christ did in the Holy Spirit. All this is from God, and here's what we mentioned earlier, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, Mm -hmm. that God was reconciling the world, Mm -hmm. not just individual souls, Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is just about getting to heaven, was reconciling the world. God loves the whole thing. In Genesis, he calls it all good, seven times, meaning completely wholly good. God cares about the whole world, is reconciling to himself all things he created. God isn't abandoning creation, right? Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And listen to this phrase, this is huge. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Mm. So this isn't just a fun thing Christians get to do of finding truth and taking it captive. It's actually the very call of reconciliation and grace. Mm. We are the ambassadors called to go find truth and bring it into Mm -hmm. Christ because we own it. So there's a fascinating example of this in the book of Isaiah where God is redeeming the entire world. So the book of Isaiah is a prophecy. And when you get to chapter 60, you're you're nearing the end and there's a vision of the, it's Literally in my Bible, it's titled The Glory of Zion. So it's this vision of the future when God finally reconciles everything, how things are going to be. And um, so it's all this beautiful imagery, right? There's going to be herds of camels and there's going to be gold and incense, praise to the Lord. All the flocks will be back. There's going to be offerings, right? Um, It's going to be beautiful. And then uh, verse 9, it says, Surely the islands look to me. In the lead are the ships of Tarshish, bringing your sons from afar with their silver and gold to the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And it goes on to say, Foreigners will rebuild your walls, kings, blah, blah, blah. So there's this great powerful imagery, right? And if you got stuck on the silver and gold, you're on the wrong part here because the ships of Tarshish have a very interesting historical background where they were merchant trading ships and they were the pagans who built these ships and ran these fleets. The ships of Tarshish were never God's people's ships, but they were a sign of great power that these other nations had. In fact, it's believed, some people believe that might have been one of the ships Jonah got on because he to was To run fleeing, away from the Lord, right? He was fleeing <laughs> to Tarshish. So there's a, yeah. not just that, but there's, a, there's an association with running away from God in Tarshish. Mm. I mean, and that's why actually earlier in the book of Isaiah, when God is deeming judgment because of things that are proud and lofty the ships of tarshish are mentioned as one of the things being judged right because they aren't in line with god's kingdom and that's what's so beautiful about this image is in the final 
uh, in the final scenes the here, of all things. the ships of Tarshish have now turned around. And what are they doing? They're bringing the sons of God back from afar. They're sailing for God. Right? They're sailing for God. They're bringing silver and gold. And it says, to the honor of the Lord your God. And he was the one who endowed you with splendor. So this thing that to the Israelite people um, was a symbol of power and fear and distance from God. God is now redeeming it and using it for his glory. And so you, so you can see here, it's not just people that Christ came to redeem, but, but Christ came to reconcile and help in the process of reconciling all things back to God. Because they had been corrupted in a sense from the goodness that they could bring. Mm. Sailing the sea is a good thing. Trading, good thing. Traveling, good. Like creating amazing things that can float on water, good. There's something true and good about that. We were created to create, but they have been corrupted where they were used to only get some rich, right? And to sail in a way that mm. wasn't honoring to God. But there was a truth buried in there. And that's what God saw and said, I'm going to redeem that thing. It's going to mm. obey me. And and that's our call as Christians to do with everything. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why we're still here. It's to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And so that means wherever truth is found, we get to own it. Whatever it is, whoever said it, whoever did it, whatever it looks like, we are called to see the goodness in things, to see the truth, to see, is there something that gives glory to God in this? Why is it not giving glory to God? How can we redeem it so that it belongs Mm. to Christ? Because God created it all. So it all belongs to him and he is redeeming it all. And we get to participate in that, which is exciting. It means we have nothing to fear. We need discernment. We need connection with the Holy Spirit, lest we could go off in a bad direction, right? Temptation Mm -hmm. could pull us away. But we are called to discover truth wherever it is and own it. So we hope that you are encouraged by all of this and that you will delight in the ability to explore the world around you and know that the things in creation were created by our God and can only glorify him and so don't be afraid to explore those truths to look for those truths practice discernment and just have joy with it learn from unexpected people in unexpected places be willing to explore without fear use discernment stay rooted in the spirit but find truth and take it captive to obey christ and so as we go on this ruo space journey we're going to be doing that all the time Wherever we can find truth, we're going to bring it to you. We're going to try and make it captive to obey Christ and find out how can we bring God more glory? How can that truth bring us closer to God? So brothers and sisters, wherever you find yourself today, may you see the truth and the potential that exists all around you in your work, in your coworkers, in your family, in your neighbor, maybe even in your enemy. In the most unexpected places, what truth can you discover and how can you be an ambassador of reconciliation in that place? What truth can you learn that you can take captive to obey Christ? Maybe it's an evangelism opportunity. Maybe it's a chance to grow. Maybe it's just a chance to bring glory to God. So we invite you to that. We're really excited you're on this journey with us. And so we pray that God will reveal God's truth to you today, wherever you might be for his glory and honor. Grace and peace be with you.